God's presence is so great, and love God's people. Thanks for being here, guys. Um, if I haven't met you, I've been gone for a couple weeks, so good to see you guys. Um, <laughs> some of you are like, who's that? Anyways, uh, uh, again, my name is Mitchell, and lead pastor here, and I see several new faces, so thanks for checking out church. If you are brand new or newer, and I haven't met you yet, or you haven't met some of our staff, then right after the service, stop by that little area over there in the back, next steps. Um, We'd love to give you another gift and love to shake your hand, get to meet you. And you can also bring, if you are a guest, bring that little connect card because this just helps us know that you are here today and helps us follow up with you guys. And we can invite you into um, kind of the main way that people get connected and really the only way people get connected here is through life groups. So everybody say life group. So um, this is kind of the, the tip of the spear, so to speak, in our church community is we like to say we're not we're not just a church that offers life groups, but we're a church made up of life groups because we really want to be a relational people that don't just see each other you know, from a distance on a service on Sunday, but we connect throughout the week. We share life. We get to know not just people's names and what they did this weekend, but get to know what's going on in your life, what's going on in your heart and praying for each other. And so if you haven't checked out a life group, I would encourage you to do that. They, you don't have to, like, commit to one and show up for life, but you can just check one out, get to know some people. We have life groups for college, young adults, families, older adults, and so check one out. If you want more information about life groups, come again to Next Steps. Sound good? Great. See you at life group. Everybody at the Paul's house this week. Oh, no, no, Greenway's house, wherever we are. No life group. Anyways, all right, so life group. Um, next, we are going to do... Um, we're going to have a sermon in just a second, but let me give you a recap for those of you that are new or that have been in and out of town. Anybody traveled in the last month anywhere? <laughs> All of you have. Awesome. So um, we have been doing uh, this series the whole summer called Summer in the Psalms, and we have been reading through the book of Psalms together. We have a reading plan, uh, reading through each of the Psalms, and if you don't have that plan, there's some, I think, in the Next Steps area or out in the lobby, but also for Sunday services, the sermons, there's been different folks, in-house communicators that have been preaching on different psalms. Last week, who, who was here last week? Anybody? Uh, what was that, July 2nd? So we took a little break last week and did what we call Prayer Sunday, and I wasn't here for that. How was that? Is it good? Y'all prayed and worshiped, interceded? Awesome. Um, and so, uh, but we're jumping right back into that series uh, today, and uh, I'm going to look at Psalm 22. You guys ready for that? All right, but I'm not preaching this morning. We got another stellar guy here, in-house communicator, the one and only Victor Anashenko is giving the word this morning. Give it up for Victor. Come on, give him a big old round of applause. Let's go. Victor, Victor. All right, hey, I'm about to pray for Victor, but just want to honor him for a second in front of all you guys. Um, this, he has been around since the really the very beginning uh, of us moving here to plant this church, and particularly for the first three over three years, he has been carrying the load and the weight on the worship side of things and been leading worship for us. Um, just kind of passed things off to Macy and to Jacob, who was leading this morning. But can we just honor Victor for all the work that he put into just carrying this church body? Thank you so much again. And um, he loves it when I ask him to get up in front of people and talk. I remember that first prayer meeting at our house when I asked you to pray out loud. You were a little nervous, but hey, here you are, preaching a message. This is your second one, bro. Um, but let's uh, pray for Victor. And, uh, you know, more than him doing good on the sermon, what we want is for God to speak to us through Psalm 22. There is something I believe God wants to do in us, speak to us, impart in us through this psalm. And uh, we're going to believe he's going to do it. All right? So y'all agree with me as I pray for Victor. Lord, thank you so much for this man of God, and we thank you for the words you've given him this morning. I pray, fill him up, Holy Spirit, and I pray you would open up every one of our 
hearts to receive what you want to share with us this morning. We trust you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Take it away, Victor. Thank you. Um, I actually have to give Mitchell a lot of credit, not just for teaching me how to pray in public. <laughs> the first time I remember that, that life group, um, we were praying out loud, and I'm like, all right, I guess I'll pray. And, and then I kind of stumbled through it. It was pretty, honestly, pretty, it was beautiful. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> and, um, but not only that, but um, uh, I got to give him some credit for coaching me on how to get my, uh, ask, ask a girl out. <laughs> and uh, that girl is Anna, married to Anna, and she's amazing. I'm glad, and I'm thankful that you brought her with you. Yeah, so um, my name is Victor, and we're going to, oh, thank you, thank you, Tyler. Um, before we jump into Psalm 22, I kind of want to give a little bit of context on uh, the, a timeline we'll be looking at. Psalm 22 was written about a thousand years uh, before the coming of the Messiah, and uh, we're gonna also going to read Isaiah, a little bit of Isaiah 53, and that was written 300 years after David wrote Psalm 22. Um, so in the, in the grand scheme of the context, um, I wanted to open up and read Matthew 27, verse 45 through 46 real quick. And I want to show you guys something that, that I feel like there's a correlation between um, Jesus and what he was saying on the cross in Psalm 22. So let's, let's read 40, verse 45. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud loud voice. Eli, Eli, lemma sabach. Uh, I always butcher that. I practiced that so many times, but I butchered it again. But, um, which means, I'll just say the, the English part. <laughs> my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And if we look at Psalm 22, verse 1, it says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Um, so I, I feel like there's a correlation there, and I want to ask a couple questions. Um, what if Jesus is drawing attention to Psalm 22 while he's on the cross. Could that, could that be the case? And uh, what if Psalm 22 is actually about Jesus? Or if we could, we could see Christ through that psalm as we get into that. So I wanted to, for all of us to take a moment and uh, we'll play some music in the back. And we'll, we'll read this through in, on our own. And, and we'll come back, I'll come back up here in a few minutes and we'll kind of dive into that. Um, so why don't we just do that? Let's read Psalm 22. As you're wrapping up, I wanted to read Matthew 26, 53 to 56 real quick. It's when uh, the context is when Jesus is in the garden and, and he's about to be arrested. And he says, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly but if I did how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now my point with that is I believe that Jesus's desire and will was to fulfill the will of the father when he was on earth he was he was not only trying to do his own will or what he wanted, but he was walking in relationship with the Lord. He was seeking the Lord and hearing God and fulfilling and doing the things that that God would reveal and show. And 
that a lot of the things that he fulfilled were were prophecies of the Old Testament and things foreshadowing his coming and what would take place. And this is one example that he's saying, like, I could ask the Father to send angels and and uh, take me out of this situation. Um, but he's like, if I do that, then this this what must take place is greater. What's what's coming is bigger than just me getting and uh like the momentary grat- gratification. So um I kind of wanted to ask just a couple questions. Um why is it important to depend on the Father? And like how do we see Jesus do that? And we have another question that we'll go over in a second, but before we go to the second question, I want to look at that. Why is it important to depend on the Father? And how did we see Jesus do that? Well, I guess the first thing is, it's pretty simple. If Jesus did it, we probably should too. <laughs> um, in the in the garden, when he was praying in Matthew twenty six, it says he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, "My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine." We see that again, where he's submitting and he's dependent on the Father, and he's He's uh he's like drawing strength and drawing something from the the father and he has a vision of of why he's doing that. In uh Psalm 22, we kind of jump into it a little bit here. Um in verse 19 um we also see Jesus submitting his will. Um in the hardest we could say har- hardest moment of his life. Um leading up to the crucifixion or this is what I believe is foreshadowing in Psalm 22 um, oh Lord do not stay far away you are my strength come quickly to my aid he is he is once again draw uh, turning his gaze to the Lord and drawing strength from God he's his dependency is clearly on the father so uh I believe dependence on the Father unlocks strength and power to endure, and it also brings the fulfillment of God's will in our lives. I'll read that again. We just see that through those two places. Dependence on the Father unlocks the strength and power for us to endure, and it also brings the fulfillment of God's will in our lives. We want that, right? His will is, is beautiful, and when we're following him and submitted to him, what he has for us and, and for our lives is much better than what we could dream of, much better than what we could imagine or think. Um, um, let's go to the second question, and how do we express dependency on the Father? And look at a couple ways that we see that in Psalm 22. Verse 1 through 2, uh, we see that the writer is being raw and real with God. And whether that's Jesus saying those words or David, um, I'm not sure, but but uh, we know clearly later it, it's, it's describing uh, the crucifixion and leading up to it pretty clearly. So this could be Jesus saying this. This could be David. Um, but we'll just take it for what it is. Verse 1 and uh, verse 2. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. We just see... Jesus or 
or David, if, if that's David saying that part, just being really raw, being r- really real with God. And I believe that for us, that that's an example, that, that that is okay for us to come to the Lord and just be real with him, bring him whatever it might be. And we also see further that in verse 9 and 10, uh, I believe there's like uh, some prayer and conversation happening throughout all of Psalm 22. But uh, we see kind of aspects of relationship and history with God. We see in uh, verse 9 and 10, Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth, and you have been my God from the moment I was born. In verse 11 19, uh, Jesus, I believe this is Jesus saying this, he's inviting the Father into his situation. So a way we could we can express dependency on the Father is by inviting God into our situation and not trying to carry or do things in our own strength. Read that. Verse 11, uh, Do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near, and do uh, and no one else can help me. He's just saying that. Let me read that one more time. Do not stay far away from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help me. In verse 19, it says, O Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. He's expressing his dependency and need for God. He's, he's saying that, my strength right now in the hardest moment of my life leading up to the crucifixion, I'm not draw- he's not drawing it from himself or someone else. He's drawing it from God. And we, we could learn from that. We could do the same. Um, he's, also, he's also trusting God to be faithful and uh, just remembering times past where God has been faithful, whether to, to him or the previous generations. We see that in verse 3 through 5. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. We see scripture there that, that God is faithful. When we cry out to him, he, he hears us, and we can trust him. In uh, verses 23 and 24, uh, kind of correlated to that. It's, it's confirming that God does hear us. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. We see this kind of theme that to what seems uh, to be the lowest point of Jesus' life. God's plan was being fulfilled to restore all things, and Jesus becomes the only way to the Father. Um, so I wanted to say, on the point of, of just hardship and going through, going through difficult things, um, that's not the end. In the case of Jesus, that, that was not even close to being the end. That was the beginning of, of God's plan. And... Um, we see, uh, I want to read Isaiah 53. We, we see the good news of the gospel play out and, and kind of show us um, through the submission and dependency on the Father that Jesus had 
the fruit of his life and what happens later. And this, I think, describes it really well. Verse 8 through 12, we'll read that, I'll read that. Um, Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. This is God saying this. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. I want to tie that back to um, verse 8 where it says, no one cared that he died without descendants. So what man thought that was the end of the story for Jesus, and that here's just another 33-year-old that, that died, that will have no inheritance, that, uh, or leave uh, kind of a lineage. People thought that was the end of the story. The enemy thought that was the end of the story. But, but God's plan was bigger than that. He knew what's going to happen. And we see that here. He, uh, I'm going to keep reading. I'll come back and read from 10. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. That's the fruit of what w- his submission and, and, and what he did through this really hard moment. For he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. I want to go back to Psalm 22 and, and, and see the, the, the area that kind of correlates to this of like what what happened uh what was after this really hard moment what was a fulfillment in in God's plan through Jesus's life and we see that in 27 verse 27 Psalm 22 the whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and be turned to him all the families of the nations will bow down before him for royal power belongs to the Lord he rules all the nations. And later in verse 30, it says, Our children will also serve him. Further, uh, future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. And that's, that's including us and the other generations to come. They will hear about everything he has done. So we see that God's plan to redeem mankind was fulfilled through Jesus' life and his surrender to the will of the Father for his life. Um, I'm not saying if you're in a bad situation that it's God's will. I believe that God is not only interested in saving us from hard situations, but he wants to be our strength through every situation and every season of our life. Like like Psalm 23, the next psalm uh, that David writes, there's a, pa- there's a I'll just paraphrase it, but uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's saying, even though I walk through it, uh, we might be walking through hard things or just wherever that might be at the moment, but um, he is with us. It says, David, David says that, God, you are with me. 
So God with us. Um, I'm going to invite the band to come up. This probably won't be the longest message you've heard, but I'm still learning how to put enough material together. (laughs) But I wanted to uh, share a little testimony of uh, just a hard season that we went through uh, with with Judah, our son, in the first three months of his life. We just we we found ourselves many many nights and many days just struggling, like sitting down and crying out to God, God, where are you? This is really hard. He he had a feeding aversion. No matter what we tried, like it didn't work. We uh, took him to um, get a tongue tie revision and and. Even took him to a chiropractor that, it's controversial, but, <laughs> that I was not uh, a fan of. Let's just say that. So we, we, we stopped. Um, just that specific one. Not all of them are that way. <laughs> I like chiropractors. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, we just, we were, we were crying out to God, like, where are you? This is really hard. Like, um, and we need your help because we don't know what else to try. So it's like that, that kind of rock bottom feeling where you don't want to do anything else because you have an issue that needs to be answered. I try not to get emotional. Um, but the testimony is that, uh, just want to share a little more in depth. We we were trying. We got a prescription for like stomach acid to suppress that to see if he would want to eat more, um, and we we brought that to back to our house. And then I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> um. So I was like, I'm just gonna believe God. <laughs> so I. I was like, can I throw this away? <laughs> we tried everything else. It didn't work. So I did. I walked out to the dumpster, and I poured it out. <laughs> Just in case I had the thought of going back in there and finding it later. <laughs> I'm a mess. <laughs> if you know me, I don't really cry. Usually it's just God that makes me cry. But um, in the next 40, 24 to 48 hours, he started eating again. He ate his first bottle. And we just see God be faithful. And the best part is, <laughs> my wife won't want me to say this, but he's still breastfeeding. At 17 months. <laughs> so we just seen God be faithful one. I wanted to say that or just call people to to not let their experience define God, whatever that is. <laughs> and instead just let the word of God define God for you. He's good. He's a good God. Good Father.
So I'm just going to invite you guys to just open up, be raw and real with God, no matter what, what that is, if you're tired, weak, if you're going through a hard season or a hard situation. And, and just give up in trying in your own strength, but put your trust, your full trust in God. And I believe that he'll be faithful to you. So I'm just going to pray over us before I hand this off to Mitchell. Holy Spirit, thank you for your faithfulness. I just ask on behalf of people in here that might be going through a hard season, that you would just come in like a flood, that you would show your presence to them, that you would be near to them. Show yourself faithful to them, Jesus. I just ask that people would give up trying in their own strength. I ask that people would see that, Jesus, you went through the hardest thing so that you could make a way back to the Father, that you could become that way. Lord, I thank you that you are accessible, that we're not looking for some answer, that you are the answer. Jesus, I ask that that we would all acknowledge that we need you. That's all we need, nothing else. In Jesus' name.